Good day, listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Palo Talk. In this episode, we'll be talking about the standoff between the Nigerian police and Senator Dino Milaye, leading to his arrest and his hospitalization and factors surrounding it. We'll also be looking at the leaked audio of Minister of Transportation, Ruti Miyamichi, making some damning remarks about the president and the state of the nation. We will also be looking at the appointments and the noise surrounding the surrounding the appointment of uh, Amina Zakari into INEC. To be discussing these issues with me today is my Usual co-host, Yomi. Right, let, let's let's dive straight into it. Dino Milaye is Oscar winning performance. It's nothing short of the man has it all. Is a musician already. Is a lawmaker. He calls himself an activist. Um, is an anti-corruption crusader, self-styled. <laughs> is a fashionista and is he's, he's become a great actor really and he's, he's been involved in few thrillers although unreleased in the last couple of years so I think we're just going to do a walk back we'll start from now and we'll probably just dip into the events that have led to his um, arrest and eventual um, hospitalization. So, what's the background? What's the background uh, information about um, this the standoff between the police and Senator Dino Milaye that caused them to actually lay siege in his house for eight days? Okay. Well, so um, so my take has to be viewed from the context of the background, right? So the arrest warrant given against Senator Dino Milai um, apparently was as a result of the fact that on the 19th of July 2018, there was an incident that involved a police officer being shot by uh, purportedly Dino Milai, Dino Milai and his political associates, which the police have um, so graciously, well, so colorfully referred to as thugs. And so a police officer was shot the man um, is said to be receiving treatment and, uh, and has not fully recovered. And so in that regard, to explain what happened and what led to that, that attempted murder, uh, Senator Dino Milai was um, you know, given several requests to, you know, he was served several requests to come for an interview, yeah, you know, to make himself available, which he numerously declined. And so, the police force decided that we cannot have a situation where someone, you know, flagrantly disregards the law or suspects, you know, the um, authority of the Nigerian police. Now, on that particular day, you know, they visited his house. They perhaps found out that he was not around, and then they decided to stay outside and then make it impossible for, you know, um, for the people in the house to have a reasonable enjoyment of the property. 
which you have mentioned, the cut of the electricity supply, cut of water supply, and then jam the signals. And after which, the senator himself put out a statement saying that it was because it was not at home, it was actually away in Kogi State, and that whenever he was around, he would make himself available. So they were there for, I think, about eight days until he eventually made himself available. That generally is the background to happen, and you would recall that the dean and uh, the senator, while he was away, apparently approached the court asking that the court should um, compel the Nigerian police force to vacate the premises of his property. And that, um, that um, appeal, that request was struck out by the court, saying that there's nothing about the police wanting an accused person to appear before them. There's nothing about that which violates that person's fundamental rights. Exactly. That's generally the context. Right. So, yes. Senator Dino locked himself in his house for eight days. At least that's what I believe. <laughs> that he locked himself in his house for eight days. Right. The question I've tried, like, the question that is, like, that was going through my head in, in, in the eight days was, what was he thinking? Thinking that, okay, well, let's just lock the door, they'll go away, or what? Yeah, because I, I don't, I don't get what the end game was. Yeah, you've got a police as a lawmaker, a maker of the law, who's been involved in the National Assembly for well over at least six years. Oh, no, sorry, what am I saying? At least seven years. Uh, did he do two times in the House of Reps? All right. Yeah. So no, yeah. So four him. years there and three years now. So they have spent at least seven years making laws right. for this country. A human rights, a self-styled human rights activist, anti-corruption crusader. Why would you not want to honor the call of the Nigerian police? Let, let's take it from there. You can you, you I mean, can you be in Dino's shoe and explain why um, he wouldn't want to answer the call of the Nigerian police while, uh, while they are at his gates? Uh, well, to start with, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. be in the number of issues. Well, let's just say the devil's advocate. I know you would want to be in the Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, would, I would say that, honestly, if we were running a safe society, that there's, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing untoward about being invited by the police, even when it is alleged that you have committed a crime. As a matter of fact, it is a matter of um, courtesy that for a matter as serious as a murder charge yeah. or an attempted murder charge, the, yes, police is inviting you to, you know, based on personal recognizance as a senator of the Federal Republic. Because ordinarily, if it was a common man on the street, you and I know what would have happened. In fact, he would not even have the, the opportunity to be living in his house. He would, you know, the person, the common man would have been, the common man or woman would have been, you know, locked, you know, put in um, remand or something. So there's, there's absolutely nothing that would justify not heeding the request of the police to at least have him come to the office and then make certain representations about his role or otherwise in that um, unfortunate incident. Perhaps Dino Melai, you know, un fully understanding the peculiarity of the times that we are in, you know, this, you know, in a political period, the environment is charged politically, 
you know, you have allegations and counter allegations running around that, you know, the, the government of the day is using um, um, uh, members of the forces to harass and, you know, oppress political um, uh, members of the opposition. So in that context, maybe he was thinking, well, he doesn't want to go there. He doesn't know, you know, what they're up to and all of that. But then in a safe society, even when it is perceived that the, 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 the powers that be have stacked a lot of things yeah. against you, it's exactly the fact that you have been a lawmaker. Is it because I think we must get to the point in this country where people do things not for their own personal comfort, but for posterity's sake. You rightly mentioned the fact that this man has been at the National Assembly four years member out of reps, although he was suspended towards the later end of his time, and then three years as a senator, he would understand the rudiments of lawmaking and the respect and all the responsibilities that come with being in that in the allied chambers of the Senate or as of reps. So even for the purpose of making a symbolic gesture of saying that no one is above the law, let me appear before the police force and make my argument about what I know or what I do not know about what transpired. But whether he locked himself in or it was indeed a way, nothing justifies making the police stay literally outside days. of your house for eight days. Exactly. It, it speaks of, it makes nonsense of the rule of law. It, it shows an apparent lack of respect for considered authority. Because how can you, in one, on the one hand, be a lawmaker, and right on the other hand, you are seen as somebody who absolutely disregards the law and what the law stands for? It is not just sad, it is actually appalling and something that Nigerians, of all political divide, must stand up against. Because when you keep making examples like this, and we keep setting these kinds of um, negative precedents for our rule of law, at the end of the day, we would be the ones that would be the victims in the long run. I agree with you on, on that. But now, let's look at the process, the criminal administration process uh, to by the Nigerian police before laying siege on Dino Mulai's house. The Senate president uh, put out a statement um, on the first day of the siege that it's um, it's a slap on the face of the Senate that the Nigerian police are doing this without actually writing the National Assembly. Uh, informing him as the chairman of the National Assembly and the Senate president that uh, Dino Milai is to be arrested or uh, is wanted by the Nigerian police. And the police, the Nigerian police put out a statement as well to counter that, saying that they wrote the National Assembly and it was repeated by the clerk of the National Assembly. And before the delivery person left there, it was given to Senator Dino Milai. So, which which goes to the police obviously try to use that to justify that they try to do this by the book. So, what's the angle of the Nigerian Senate or the Senate president in saying that they should be they should have been informed? And why is it even necessary to inform the Nigerian Senate? Because I don't think it is. Absolutely not. 
you know, there's nothing in our books that, you know, ultimately requires the Nigerian police force to inform the Senate when a senator is being alleged to have committed a criminal infraction. If, he had, if, if, if that had been the practice before, I would, I would say at best it's a matter of professional courtesy on the part of the Nigerian police to so do. But there's nothing that requires them. And, and the, the lack of that, even if there was, even if there was a, you know, a protocol or a convention where that was, in the, was a practice in the time past, the fact that they did not do it this time around does not in any way suggest that there has been an abuse of process. You know, because what we're talking about, like I mentioned, is a criminal infraction, attempted murder or murder or even any criminal allegation whatsoever. So the fact that they did that, you see, and, and this is what worries me, right, that we have authorities, you know, certain people in certain quarters who, by virtue of, you know, the sensibilities of the time, the fact that, yes, this is a political time, this is a political season, who are pandering to certain sensibilities. And that is wrong. And because the Nigerian police has always been guilty of this, given their record, I, I, I assume that's why they're trying to be careful, like you already mentioned, to play the thing by the books. But this is quite wrong. There's, there's nothing requiring them to be pandering to you know, the whims and caprices of the Senate or the president or the, or the Senate president. If indeed there is a valid allegation, well, it doesn't even need to be valid. Whether there is an allegation against the senator, it builds on that senator to respect the office that he occupies and then make himself available to the police force. The fact that they are now going to the Senate, submitting a letter through the clerk and all of that, just remains purely a matter of um, professional courtesy. So I, I would not expect that the Senate would then say that because they have not been pre-informed, you know, they, they, there's something wrong with the process that the police has chosen to take. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I know that from my understanding of the Constitution, a senator's uh, immunity is only limited to his statements and alterations on the floor of the Senate. And that's only to prevent them from uh, libel and slander suits, uh, defamation suits for anything they said Absolutely. because of the their function. But also, it brings me to, 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 this, to this point, which I think you touched on that the police try to extend um, political and professional courtesy to the senator by asking him to provide himself and write it to the senate which they didn't have to but the question the, the, the flip of the coin here is why will it take why should it take so long to actually um, demand the arrest or the appearance of senator Dino Milai this uh this incident happened in july yeah we said that the wheel yes. of justice grinds slowly but where we can avoid it grinding slowly we shouldn't dino melaya is not a nobody that's in probably bruno street states that's committed uh or that's accused uh, that or there's a person of interest in a crime that you don't know that the police will have to you know find like a needle in in a, in a haystack, yeah, he is a, a person of public, uh, is, is a public figure. The man is virtually in 
one news or on the social media every other day you get what i mean so in this old during this period it's it's become the spokesperson of a campaign organization and which makes me ask that if you've been if you've been seeking the appearance of this person for that long why did it take so long almost six months to just not wake up because the way it, it looks to the public yeah they, the police could have done um done this in good faith but the way it looks yes. is that you just left this and you think well it's close to the election and you technically using this incident as a political weapon that's the way it looks and we need to we we need to do things in politically expedient uh manner that it's seen as it improves the the confidence of people in our democracy and everyone has a responsibility to make this yes. happen the police have a responsibility to make it happen i have a responsibility right. you have a responsibility the INEC have a responsibility. The president has a responsibility. Dino Milai himself has a responsibility too. And the bottom line Absolutely. in the mind of everyone is this: uh, that our democracy should be sacrosanct, and the interest of uh, and will of the people should always prevail. But when we're giving people the impression, or if there's any iota of doubt in people's minds that okay, is it? Is this done as a political advantage to one party over the other? That should be dispelled. And I think it should play in the mind of the Nigerian police as an institution well before now. That, okay, yeah, campaign is starting in two weeks' time, in two, three weeks' time. Now you're starting to lay siege because a man has not made himself available for something that you've been inviting him for for like six months. Why would should it take that long? So regardless of whether this was done in good faith or not i think it's an area that the nigerian police need to work on because it wouldn't be allowed in other cases i know that yeah they could say okay we're trying to exhaust all remedies because he's a politically exposed person and he's a public figure so they won't say we're intimidating the opposition or something like that but at the end of the day that's what it, it, it looks like so, so timing is of the essence in the way these things are done as well. So I and I also I have to give them credit that of the way this whole thing was conducted in Dino's house because they they did everything transparently to make sure that uh, nothing was pinned on them. Uh, as as usual, Dino has always cried a victim. Whether um, he has a point or not. Uh, it leaves uh, it, it's to be seen because obviously he's had the incident where he's been arrested and he has to jump out of his moving vehicle uh, which uh, ultimately caused him to he had a sprain or hurt his leg then and he's hidden on a tree for almost 11 hours purportedly as he, he purported himself that he hid on the tree for 11 hours because he was going to be killed he said that he's not going to get justice if he's tried or if he has any case in Kogi State. He's also argued that, well, he has over seven cases against the Nigerian police uh, or one government institution or the other at the moment. 
So it's always Dino's mantra has always been it's me against the government. So, so which I think I led the police to actually told the line they've told now to actually do it in the open, um, not bust into his house to actually effect any arrest or effect the the warrant of arrest, and just wait out until he comes out himself and to present himself. Uh, uh, to them. Uh, that, that's what. That's my can, take can on just, that. The just... police. Yeah, you can say what you what you've got. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, I honestly agree with you. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, justice must not only be seen to be done. Just not justice must not only be done. It must be seen to have been done. And you know the way and the manner in which this has been carried out. It seems to it, it actually gives the impression that the police is pursuing a get him at all cost strategy, and you know, like you said, you know, it's really given his past record with the police. But my, my personal view is this: you know, um, somebody said that the best time to do the right thing was yesterday. The next best time to do the right thing is today. You know, so that gives us this thing that look yes the senator is, is a politically exposed person but that does not in any way suggest that certain things must be left undone yes they could have done it better they should have done it better but you see the, the, the flip side of that argument is that yes because it's politically exposed because you know they don't want to be seen as pursuing a political vendetta against them they should leave the matter so after the election, you know, the season, the election. No, that, that's over. even that's even worse. Exactly. So that for me is the two sides of the coin of the same coin that the police, you know, were probably faced with, and then they had to make a decision about when to strike, right? So yes, they could have handled this better. They could have done it in a much more better fashion, and they could have done it earlier than now. But given the very nature of the job that they do. I mean, everybody hopes that at some point, you know, we would get to the point where we no longer care about what color justice wants to take, other than the fact that justice is just taken. So when we get to that point where we no longer see things from a political perspective or from political consideration, because the truth of the matter is, they also know that the Nigerian politicians are very smart, right? And so they might deliberately play up the politics card to you know avoid certain things being done so that you know the the police and the public would see that well i'm being persecuted i'm being this and, and if the police wants to take that course and then refrain from doing what needs to be done because of that side it means at the end of the day that nothing may get done in the first place so yes while this could have been done or handled better or even earlier than now i would say that you know given the circumstance and yes maybe like i mentioned i think i mentioned they, they, they were probably, you know, perhaps carrying out an investigation or doing certain things. That presumption can be interpreted in their favor that, yes, there's a reasonable explanation as to why it took this long. But the truth of the matter is, a serving senator had been invited months and months before. He did not show up, and they now had to resort to that, you know, the style that they had to resort to. It's quite unfortunate, but then when you play in a terrain as funny as ours, you can understand why certain things would have to be shelved aside. 
Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for that contribution, Yomi. So the next thing, uh, before we finish on this Dino, let's talk about the last stage of this whole thing. Now, Dino has presented himself. He came out of the house, collapsed, and um, surrendered himself to the federal um, FSARS. Now he's been moved to the uh, Nigerian Police Clinic and is been examined. Um, the AIG Medical has come out to say that, well, they found out that he has incidental typhoid and malaria, which obviously comes with the territory. You know, it's not, it's nothing extraordinary. Yeah. And um, yeah. he's been examined yes. by neurologists. He's been cleared that he's fine by the neurologist. Um, he's asthmatic and they understand that and everything. And that uh, he's ready to stand, he's fit to stand trial. But Senator Dino said he's not ready to stand trial. Which takes us to the next stage of that siege. So now we've left the fiscal siege. I think we're in a stage where we're in a psychological warfare now <laughs> psychological warfare and mental siege yeah yeah so the police are saying that yeah you've been cleared you've been seen by three different specialists you've been cleared your feet he's saying i'm not fit and this man i'm even watching the video and i'm laughing he's sitting he's lying there on the bed and the person is interpreting for him that Oh yeah, he's saying he's not feeling fine, and he's saying no, that's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So, and I was like, what is going on here? When does this drama stop? So, who can decide? Is it left to the court to decide when Dino is actually fit to stand trial, or are we just because we could? This is like the siege all over again. We could be on this same point for another yeah. week or for, for a long time. or to the election. I think ultimately it would be it would be up to the court to decide, and you know, and this is what is funny about the states that we found ourselves in. Now, I don't even want to talk about the drama by the senator, Regina Milai. I want to talk about you know, let's take things on the face value. Let's assume that yes, he's not feeling fine and all that. Well, he's been tested, he's been seen by professionals, and the consensus the the conclusion by all of those professions, professionals is that Dino Milai is fit to stand trial. Uh, so this is not just the police making that conclusion. This is ex and you know the, the opinion of expert uh, experts that were called upon to examine him. And now, so Dino Milai on the one hand says he's not fit. The police believes on the other hand that he's fit. But then you now have the third party, you know, which is in this case the um, professional or the professional's calls, then I, I believe that it is the responsibility of the court to look at their conclusion objectively, consider the circumstances, and then determine whether in the circumstance the nominee is fit to continue trial. In my own opinion, and of course I'm not the court, this is just my personal opinion, which can only be faulted, I think the nominee is fit to stand trial because we must be careful not to set crazy precedent in our judicial system because there will be nothing stopping me tomorrow from feigning malaria or anything and then saying that because i have malaria because i have typhoid or because i'm asthmatic i'm not in the position to stand trial 
You understand? So it, it's quite sad that all of this is playing out. I think that if the court makes a pronouncement that, look, gentlemen, it is our informed opinion, it is our informed conclusion. Having looked at the expert opinions tendered before us, I have to stand trial and then give an order that it should be brought to court. If he likes, he should continue the drama. For so long as the court has made the pronouncement, I think the trial should continue. Because what we have to do is we must ensure at all times that we do things for posterity's sake. This is not just a case of you know a senator or an acting yeah. senator yeah. pretending or whether or not it's really it's, 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 it's the Nigerian legal system on trial as well. You know that that people. Sorry, I'm going back to the same thing. Even though didn't land on his neck, nothing hit his neck. So he said it hurt his feet. But he had to wear a neck uh, neck brace for for almost three months. And yeah, we, we, we need to respect the fact that he's the one that is is the one that's, in, um, or that, that's experiencing this this thing. But that notwithstanding, it doesn't really look good for everyone or for the whole nation when this happens. Really? And at the end of the day, I guess the police had to back off just to um, allow um, peace to reign uh, or to, to just... Uh, prevent uh the uh, dino from painting them as uh, victimizing it so uh, i think something yeah. obviously has to give at some point on that and i agree with you dino should be should stand trial because he's still innocent until proven guilty so what's the what's the problem and if it's the courtroom yeah let's let's continue uh fire is still standing trial is a is a release on bail so and life still goes on yeah the wheel of justice will probably grind slowly sometimes it's tainted but it's still the only and the truest test of determining innocence that we've got absolutely other otherwise we'll resort to anarchy and we we'll start shooting ourselves on the street so that, that's that's my that's my take on that. So we'll monitor the events as they unfold more and we'll add it. We'll discuss in other episodes. Thanks for that contribution, Yomi. Now let's let's move on to another topic. I'll yes. see if we can take uh, three more topics at the end of this episode. Now, briefly, let's talk about what Vanguard called the red flag in Ina. The appointment of Amina Zachary. Um, I, I believe that she's been in in the in the employment. Uh, he's been employed by INEC before now, so it wasn't like she just got employed uh, by President Buhari um couple of weeks ago. It's just that she was appointed as the. <laughs> Chairman of the Presidential Election Coalition Center, if I'm right, is that the yeah? So and everyone has latched on this, especially the opposition, uh, PDP. They've latched on this, and the everyone is saying that well, this is a huge red flag and that shouldn't be allowed to fly. So, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's quite funny. Uh, I think that it just shows the state of our politics as a nation. Now, 
you know, the 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 um, allegation that came out initially was that you know she's Buhari's niece, water view and water view. Now, obviously, people went to town crying and you know raising all sorts of things about yes, that is absurd. You know, it, it, it taints whatever outcome that the next presidential elections will have. But then, you know, people have then taken their time, myself included, to go and look at the profile of this woman. Like you rightly mentioned, she didn't just get to INEC, she's been there for, you know, a while. And at some point, in fact, she became the chairperson of INEC just shortly after um, Professor Jagger stepped down and um, before uh, the current chairman assumed power, uh, assumed that position. So she's a career INEC staff in that regard, in that sense. And, um, this woman didn't get to this position by virtue of being supposedly in court, and I will still get back to you, the niece of the president. Now, that is as far as the allegation goes. But if you look at the actual relationship she has with the president, see, that statement about her relationship with the president was actually made um, by Yanko Yakasai or something. When he made the statement that, yes, he knows the woman, She's um, related to Buhari, that um, the Emir of, um, I think, Jigawa, Kazari, got married to um, President Buhari's senior sister, and that the man had about, I think, two or three wives, and that um, she is the daughter of one of those wives. Now, so what that means is that she's not in any way related to Buhari by blood. Um, if at all they are related, she's at best perhaps a distant step niece. So I, I don't even think I can regard what they have. I can't even call her a step niece because she's not, you know, for you to be regarded as somebody's niece, you know, obviously you must have been born by that person's sibling. Excuse me? They bring in, they read the result themselves. Exactly, exactly. Now, I understand the very sensitive nature of the position that she yeah. holds, that uh, yes, INEC must not be seen in any way to have any um, family relationship with any of the contenders so that it doesn't give an impression mm -hmm. of bias, an implicit bias like I mentioned. But yes, the case can be argued that, look, number one, she's the chairperson of the coalition center, of the presidential coalition center, right? Now, yeah. the very structure upon which these elections will be contested is such that results yeah, will be collected right from the world, will be transmitted to, you know, the local collision centers and then transmitted to the state level, sorry, transferred from the world to the local government, transmitted from the local government to the state level from then to the national level. So there is nothing yeah. that anybody at that level can do to manipulate figures or change things. You will recall that the very nature of our process, if you recall what happened during, you know, the coalition when the guy was at the yeah. end of our face in INEC, you had a situation whereby the returning officers at those state levels were coming and then exactly reading the results themselves, reading what you might have collated or whatever you have collated at the state level. All that happens at the, at the national level is at best a submission of the different return results at the state levels. So all that woman would do, in fact, 
she doesn't even have any uh, significant input other than to ensure that votes, you know, those uh, figures are brought in, the logistics of, okay, well, go and announce, go to the podium, handle the mic and all that. At the end of the day, it is still the chairman who hand, hands over the mics to the returning officers at the state level. To, exactly. So all the noise, all the hoopla about she's related to the needs and all that takes nothing away from the process itself. But having said that, you see, like we, I, I mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, justice must not only be done, it must be seen to have been done. If uh, appointment as the coalition um, person taints the outcome of that election in any way, then Anik has a responsibility in the, in the spirit of fairness, in the spirit of um, you know, perception to ensure that, well, she stepped down and then someone else given that position. If that would satisfy... Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you the sack her. You just make sure exactly, she's not exactly, given that responsibility. Exactly. exactly. Yes. I think in, in, in for corruption uh, for corruption to be uh, to be to be rooted out in this country, that that's part of the things we need to be considering. Good faith and yes, transparency absolutely. is important. Good faith and transparency, and. and in this case of Amina Zachary, I have nothing against her appointment. Her appointment doesn't reasonably her appointment will not change yes. the result in Oshun. Neither will it affect the result Absolutely. in the Lagos State. The, the key appointment here is the chairman of INEC and, and the resident electoral commissioners yes. in those areas. So but when situations like this happen we need it, it goes to what we talked about in in the first um um in the first issue we talked about in Ruth Mamichi's case it needs to be things needs to be made plain to people people need to have confidence in the democratic process there shouldn't be any that all doubt should be alleviated yes. at all times so if she is if she has an interest no matter how remote yes. it should have been declared and even if, she, if even if she's the only one to do the job it should have been declared and there has to be a conscious uh, decision it should have been taken under advisement why considering her for that role absolutely so nigerians could still know the stakeholders could still know that okay well this is the relationship between this person and one of the candidates. And now, going back to the fact that she was appointed before uh, Buari's um, um, government, that same relationship should have been declared while Jonathan appointed her. Yes. Because it, it, it's the same thing. These people are contesting an election. I'm not sh saying she has any influence in making... Uh, president Muhammadu Buhari, the president, but this interest must always be declared so yes. people know what they're buying into. Whether we like it or not, Nigerians will always cry foul and will wow. latch on every little detail we see and will try to whip up sentiment, sentiment and some conspiracy theory behind every fact, no matter how remote. But the, the truth of the matter is, we need to do things in trans transparently and in good faith. Uh, that includes 
also declaring any interest that could be perceived as giving advantage to one person, the political process or the other. So that that's what I think. Mm. So, but I don't think there is much um, difference our appointment will make to this election. Well, we're all, we're all here. We're just playing um, judges from afar. So we'll see how that plays out as well in in the election. So thanks for that. Let's move on to the next one now. Let's talk about the presidential campaigns and how they've been going on so far. I'll kick off on, on that presidential campaign. I'll kick off with them. President Wari said he's handling, um, delegating, oh, he's putting uh, Chibola Metinubu in charge of the campaign. I don't know if you call it delegate or he's handling it over or <laughs> passing it or appointing. I don't know what to call it because he's not the DJ of the presidential campaign. But President Wari said he's giving the full charge of the presidential campaign to um, Bola Ahmed Tinubu because he needs to focus more on running the country. I, I, I find that a bit strange. I've not heard that before. He's the one seeking the election. So, but I'll let you come in on that one. How does that sound? How do you handle uh, hand over the full um campaign the full charge of the campaign or the campaign structure to uh Chibola made to you let, let me be specific in this case because I've not heard that before you're the one seeking the election obviously it is still your responsibility at the end of the day it can only help you there so but the excuse is he wants to focus on running the country is that really a valid excuse <laughs> it's absolutely not a valid excuse but i think <laughs> but i think that given it, the man is just being politically expedient right so given the the seemingly insurmountable yeah. um task that he faces with respect to coming back and winning this presidential election the man has to be uh, he has to be politically sagacious now, and like I said, I think it reflects mm -hmm. two things. Number one, that a man understands the, you know, the seriousness of what is at stake in terms of these presidential elections, given, you know, the public uh, general mood of the people in terms of whether they're still yeah. as favorably disposed to his candidature as they were in 2015. He understands the general mood. I'm sure that he would have been told that a lot of people, a lot of the Nigerian public, mm -hmm. you know, a lot, of, a lot of Nigerians are not as um, happy and satisfied as they would be if certain things have been done. And so that's not on the one hand. Yeah. On the other hand, now, so realizing that very fact, he has to defer to someone whose political stature is as um, widely respected as Tinubu's political stature is. And so, you know, he understands that Tinubu is a, is a political genius in some sense. You know, somebody who brings a lot of political pedigree to the table. Somebody who is quite, not just strategic, but is, is, is widely regarded as a master tactician as far as Nigerian politics is concerned. 
And so he, he understands that that part and the seriousness with which these campaigns would need to be prosecuted. Because let's face it, right? So the, the campaign slogan of APC in this forthcoming presidential elections is next level, yeah. right? So next level of what? I don't know. I, I honestly, I've been trying to find out. I've not even seen, I, I've asked all my friends I know that APC members that, okay, does any of you have a copy of that next level plan? Let's even have a look at exactly. it. I've not seen it. And then we can yes. that. Exactly. So, the man understands that. So, for you to sell something, right, it must be something that is working, something that is a general um, um, support for that thing. To be honest with you, the common man on the street, well, the average, while I understand that opinions, is, uh, opinions are divided on mm -hmm. this issue, but most Nigerians have not been carried out. I was listening to a program yesterday when somebody was saying that there have been a lot of things shown by this administration, but that people don't get to know, people don't understand. What the common man on the street understands is that, number one, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Number two, life is generally hard. People are struggling to you know, survive. And so the president can't go around you know, moving from state to state, selling an idea that apparently looks like that, like it has brought more hardship mm -hmm. to the people. And then even if you look at this, the, you know, so at the, at, the, at the federal level, you have a superstructure, and then at the state level, you have that structure. You have almost all the APC states having one issue or the other. You understand? So, for example, you have in Ogun State, and Amosu, who has almost, you know, almost well, in some quarters has been regarded as having left the yeah. APC. You have in Imo State. So you have, you know, issues here and there. Issues that seemingly make the, the you know, mathematically I'm speaking, make the, the election of this president almost impossible. And so he has to rely on you know, someone of political political to bring everyone together. Amici's, um, exactly, to bring everybody together and to you know, play the card like it should be played and, you know, pull up some political stones to ensure that it survives the onslaught that people are suspecting might be his lot come February this year. So I can understand why he had to do that. I think that it was a, I mean, it was a master stroke on his part and, um, you know, he just speaks of his ability to understand what is going on and then quickly fashion out a strategy to combat that you know, public uh, uh, attitude towards his election. Yeah, I, I, th I think he's just, uh, I, ju I think he's awkward. <laughs> I, I just find it strange yes, that, because even in other countries that, that have you can't say we've got bigger problems than other countries. <laughs> I've not seen a president say that, sorry, I'm leaving my campaign completely to someone else because I want to focus on administration. There's a reason why INEC has limited the um, campaign time to this. It's only for virtually a month and a half. So, if uh, not less. So... I don't see how much of a difference it will make. This is a president that spent a quarter of last year out of the country anyway. So is he trying to make up for the lost time? 
So, but, it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you that it's quite awkward. But you see, there, there is this argument in some quarters, and um, as much as you want to dismiss it, and I think it's worth being looked at, that eventually the winner of um, the, the presidential elections will be decided by whatever happens in the Southwest. So you would have the North would be, Buhari, President Buhari would win the North, but then not by serious margin like it used to be in the past. And so you have, you would have the South-South and possibly the Southeast, you know, go overwhelmingly in Atiku's favor. Yes, there will still be a pocket of, you know, places there and there where the president will get votes. And so ultimately it will boil down to the South-South. Oh, the Southwest. And so it's a political, yeah. the Southwest. Yeah, and just there for mercy. Exactly. You know, to someone who is regarded as being in total control of the Southwest politics. And so, well, I'm handing it over to you to use your political pedigree yeah. to get me votes from this part, from this part, from that part. And then when it comes down to your region, I will yeah. expect of all places that you deliver the most. And so, you know, regardless of the awkwardness, this president is not looking at whether yeah. it is awkward or not. This president is looking for elected. Whether you and I laugh at what he has done is not what the man wants to consider right now. He wants to consider. Well, yeah. Well, that's what everyone does. That's 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 end game for everyone. Everyone view what what's the best thing for them yeah. to get uh, to win an election. So. I'm sure um, Atiku is doing the same thing. Atiku considered that while he brought Obi as his vice presidential candidate, so he got himself a firebrand there. Um, he considered that when he brought um, Benga Daniels or Benga Daniel, um, also he, he had to bring this uh, this this noisemaker yeah. too. Uh, no disrespect, no, not even Dino, Buba right. Galadima. <laughs> so he had to he had to latch on the fact that the man is at Luga heads with uh yeah, yeah. President Buhari and just make him his his spokesman too. So everyone will do the best thing they can to actually win an election. I agree I agree with that. So but I just I find it a bit strange and that's why we had to talk about it since we are talking about presidential campaigns so far. So on a general note, how how what what do you think about the presidential campaign so far? How has it been flying? I think it's quite funny. funny in the that this is the first time since I came of age, I can say that now. <laughs> that I was, since I've been following presidential elections, that it, it does not seem that there's been much activity, especially on the part of the two major political parties. Yes, you have the three political parties you know, moving here and there, campaigning on Instagram, Twitter, and all of that. But in terms of real activities, the APC, the PDP, the letter has not been going on. And for me, I, I have to sit down and ask myself, what is really different about this um, period? Mm -hmm. Honestly, the only difference I think is the fact that unlike what we used to have in the past, monies have not been flying around. Mm. And you know, you know, by this time during the last presidential election cycle, you have you've had you know, people being awarded contracts. We had the transformation agenda of Nigeria and we had the Jonathan people. We have the, we had the, um, the, the Jets. 
that's yes. carrying cash all around. Exactly, pouring it around. Yeah. You had politicians going to town, printing the town red. You had millions of dollars flying around. And then at this time, during that period, people were already decided about who they wanted to vote for. Some people had been bought, some people had given, made up their minds about how they could not go on with the Jonathan regime. So people were pretty much decided by this stage of that entire process. Unlike what we have now, that you know, people are still keeping mom. A lot of people are still watching. Some people in some quarters believe that money will still be, you know, doled out. Money will still be shared. That people are just waiting to see what will go on. You know, what will happen. Some people, on the other hand, believe that look, no money is coming from anywhere. That buying a Buddha is not, is not spending money. And that, you know, as people on the other hand as well, as we question seriously by certain people in certain quarters that, look, you cannot spend money. I mean, even the uh, allegation that he purportedly um, spent, or he purportedly spent, uh, he gave $10,000 each to uh, all the about 4,000 candidates, and then, you know, that amounted to about 13 billion there. So people are questioning, reportedly are questioning him that he should take it easy. But by and large, because of how um, this economy has been running, especially since the administration came into power, you have the single treasury account that is really getting important for money to you know, be working from hand to hand. And you also have the enforcement of the DBN rules, too. And then the, the, the mandatory reporting that needs to be done when certain uh, monies are being withdrawn. I think for individuals, if you withdraw over 5 million, for corporate organizations, if you withdraw over 10 million, they have to mandatory report to the DBN. So the enforcement of those things, by and large, have made large withdrawals almost impossible. Because when you make such withdrawals, banks are under an obligation to do I mean, that is not to say that those withdrawals are not taking place. But then it has kind of come the, you know, um, the source that you would have expected by this time. So I think ultimately it is good for our democracy. Based on merit, you know, yeah. money does not really, really exchange hands like it used to happen. Maybe people, uh, people would begin to choose candidates purely based on their merit and not exactly and not just about how much they can offer for your votes. You know, so Nigerians will now be forced to listen to what candidate has to offer as opposed to what can be has to offer and then ultimately decide which one offers better advantage that they need and they want to see in the future. So I think it's a good development. Well whether or not that will play a part in whoever eventually emerges as the winner in this next election you know, obviously remains to be seen. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this program today. Till next time, have a great day.